Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Man, great. Just got back from Madison, Wisconsin, the best place on earth, and now talking to probably the best lineman uh, maybe on earth. And someone Mr. who lives in Madison. Who lives in Madison. Yeah, Mr. Joe Thomas. Doesn't look like a lineman anymore, though. It looks... <sighs> Like a supermodel. Uh, dude, you're getting younger every day. You look great, man. Oh, Thanks for joining us. You know, I know that you're not paying me for this podcast, but uh, you don't have to pay me in compliments. I'm happy to do it for free, my friend. I'm actually wearing uh, my friend Kevin Euclid's beer shirt that says uh, Jiu-Jitsu Hazy IPA because that's the name of the beer that uh, he makes. I think it's out in Boston where their brewery is. But I figure it'd be fitting if I'm on with the Hebrew Hammer the greatest Jewish sports legend that has ever certainly has ever gone to the university of Wisconsin. And it's a true pleasure to be with you guys today. Joe, I know we don't have you for much. First off. Thank you. Um, I know you're busy. Uh, Joe, how does it feel? So let me tell you a quick story and then we'll jump right into you. Everyone who asks, you know, like we're, we're older now. Um, you don't look it, but I do. And people are like, (laughs) Oh, you, when did you play? Oh, one to Oh five. Who did you play with? So my go-to is Joe Thomas. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, Joe. Who else did you play with? And then, you know, you go down the back of like Lee Evans and Anthony Davis. How does it feel to be like that guy, though? (laughs) That guy that you say that nobody knows who he is until you like, well, you know, he's a lineman. No, nobody knows the years. Nobody knows the years I played until I tell them that I played with you. Oh, man. It is funny you mentioned getting older and like still trying to hang around Madison and going to games and stuff and looking at those guys on the field and thinking like when we were playing, we thought we were so big and we were so old and we were the Kings of the school. And now they look like little kids out there. It's amazing. But I guess that's just part of being old. I'm sure our parents said the same thing about us when we were playing ball. <laughs> absolutely. Oh God, absolutely. Sure. Well, I want to remind you guys before we hop into it, that we are presented by BetOnline.ag, and they are the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests, events, and more with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf, and most importantly, college football. 
BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, live in-game betting, props, futures, you name it, they've got it. Head on over to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to sign up and make your first wager. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, Bernie, take it away. I'm going to let you start today. I'm going to let you start today. where the game starts. Uh, I'm going to start putting all my bets on Wisconsin, I think, for the first three games. But uh, <laughs> Wisconsin Joe, the win. I like it. Wisconsin the win. Joe, and cover. Uh, I don't know about covering. We're not very good at that. We don't have <laughs> – this is not a betting or a gambling. Listen, don't take my advice. The SEC is listening. I, I don't give any advice on any of this. Thing. But, Joe, where – first off, were you ever small? And when did little, little <laughs> huge Joe get involved in sports and football? Mm-hmm. Was I ever small? No, I was always a tall guy. Like even going back to grade school, I was never big. You know, it took me a lot of effort to gain weight once I got to college to play offensive line, but I was always a tall kid. I think maybe fifth grade, I was like five, nine. I was always the center on the basketball team. So I always had plenty of height. Uh, and it wasn't really until I started eating cheese curds and drinking beer at Wando's, uh, until I started really putting on some pounds and starting to look a little bit like an offensive lineman. Dude, me too. Uh, sadly, <laughs> but Joe, when when you're in high school, you know, did you start playing in third grade? Did you start playing fifth grade? Yeah, so I started playing football when I was in seventh grade, actually, because I was um, a fairly decent soccer goalie up until that point, which I don't know if that counts. It's like saying I was a great football player. I kicked on the team, but uh, I was a goalie on a select soccer team up until that point. And I always had desires and dreams to play football because a bunch of my buddies were playing fifth and sixth grade football. But um, I was fairly entrenched in soccer, but more than that, my mom was worried I was going to get hurt. So she didn't want me playing football until we actually like went to the library. Yes. Kids. There was such a thing as going to the library and pulling out books and doing old school research. And I remember going there and pulling out a, a book that was talking about like youth sports injuries and, and um, like the occurrences between the different sports and it actually said there was a lot of like soccer injuries, which I feel like it was a total BS article because there's no <laughs> way that soccer had more injuries than youth football, but that's what it said. And so when my mom saw that, she was like, all right, go ahead. You can play football, which the whole thing was kind of ironic. Getting into football took a lot of convincing from me to my mom because she was so worried I was going to get injured. And then I played football literally from seventh grade and through four years in college and then 11 years in the NFL. And I never was hurt one time to miss a game. And I actually didn't miss a snap in the NFL until my 11th season. So uh, I'm sure actually I know because I have seen the MRIs of my joints. I've got plenty of arthritis, but as far as like injuries that kept me off the field, uh, I never had one until I tore my tricep tendon. You know, I know who wrote that article. It was Barry Alvarez. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, guys, soccer is the worst sport. You get injured every day there. Um, So, Joe, Joe, when but when did it like come into like your mind or like in high school? You're like, dude, I'm going to play college Mm. football and Wisconsin. Who else was there? But like Mm -hmm. when when did Wisconsin come become number one? And Mm. how did you also get Standring and all those other guys? uh, Benny and. Steve Uh, Johnson, Steve Johnson, you guys were a package deal. That's right. You know, I I told Barry, I said, I know that you don't think football is very dangerous, but I'm only coming here. (laughs) If I can get Paul Standring, 
Kenny DeBush, Steve Johnson, and Ben Strickland, who are all my roommates, all a bunch of walk-on guys, uh, backup punters, I mean, long snappers, the most important vital guys on any football team. I said, we can't win championships without these dudes. Uh, back to your first question. Um, when I first started playing, I knew I was good. Like, nobody tackled me, so that's good, I guess. Like, every time I touched the ball, it was a touchdown. And I had lots of tackles and sacks and stuff like that on defense. Um, but I don't know. I was just worried about having fun playing football. Like my parents never pushed me. They never thought that maybe football would even be a gateway in the college, much less a scholarship, much less a profession beyond that. I really was just trying to have fun and, and worried about like, man, this is awesome. And I hope my mom doesn't take it away if I get hurt. So just have as much fun as you can. And really it wasn't until my junior year in high school, I was, you know, all conference and I had college coaches starting to write me letters and I started having coaches show up and, and then I got my first scholarship offer, which the first major scholarship offer was actually from Wisconsin. But I think I had some smaller ones from maybe like, you know, Illinois state, which the Badgers are playing in their opener this year. And then, you know, some of the smaller Midwest schools, but um, Wisconsin was definitely one of the first schools that offered, but it wasn't really until actually after my senior year uh, in high school at Brookfield Central that I made a decision on where I wanted to go. And really up until I made my decision right before signing day, I had visited Notre Dame, Nebraska, Virginia Tech, Colorado, um, Kansas. Like I visited a bunch of big schools and had talked with like USC, Miami had a lot of offers and I kind of expected myself to get away from home a little bit because a lot of people, you know, especially I feel like boys in high school, towards the end of high school, you're like, ah, I got to get out of here. My, I got to get out of away from my mom, the discipline in the house. Like I want to, I want freedom. And the last thing I want is my parents to show up at my dorm when Matt Bernstein sticking a beer in my hand and like <laughs> start yelling at me and embarrass me in front of my new friends. I'm like, I need to get out of here. But it was crazy because after I visited all those places, I came to campus in Madison and I instantly realized that what I thought I wanted and the reasons that I thought I wanted to get away from Madison were all the reasons why I loved Madison. And I quickly realized that this was actually the place that had everything I was looking for. So it was actually good to kind of go into the process with the mindset that I was going to get away and go somewhere else and look for all those things that I wanted somewhere else. Because it gave me the perspective to realize that everything was right here within my own home state, only an hour from where I grew up. My question then is, did you question that at about day 16 at the seminary? Oh, my God. It was like day three uh, <laughs> when the hazing started at the seminary. Now, that's like the worst place on earth. And uh, I, I feel bad, like probably someday they're going to tear it down. But I'm going to be there like cheering. I'm like, yeah, God, nobody ever has to suffer through 16 days of rooming with another stinky freshman, no air conditioning, no door on your bathroom, mind you such a small room that I could touch the wall and I could touch my roommate at the same time. And I got to be awoken every morning, not with the sun, but with the sights and smells of Danny Kay on the shitter. It's literally <laughs> within six feet of my hands. It was actually the worst two weeks of my entire life. Thank God it was only two weeks. NFL training camps are a lot longer, but the seminary is just a terrible place. And by the way, oh, we were practicing for like three and a half hours every day with Jim Huber as your coach, who is not exactly 
a person that should be allowed through the walls <laughs> of the halls of a seminary. <laughs> Not a godly man on the football field. Let's just see with that. He shouldn't be allowed in a lot of places. He probably should have stayed away from elementary schools and everything. Uh, Just MFing little kids for like not playing on the playground. Right. Uh, Well, you bring up, you bring up Hubes. What, what made you want to play for him? And what made you mentally like uh, build like walls up for what he would say to people and, and how he coached you. I mean, he had to have some influence. Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the big reasons that I wanted to come to Wisconsin was because of Jim Huber's history in developing offensive linemen. I mean, there's no doubt he was one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, college or NFL. Like he just had this great habit of being able to develop young players. And we always joke that like Wisconsin didn't always get the best recruits and Hubes took chicken shit and made it into chicken salad because he was just such a master of taking guys that maybe weren't the best athletes, but they were, they were tough. They were hard nosed and they were willing to work. And if you had those traits, Hubes could turn you into a pretty good offensive lineman, especially because he, they usually recruited big, tall guys. And then JD would load them up with those 1000 calorie shakes in the weight room. And you were going to be grinding for two hours, running stadium steps and squatting thousand pounds. And you were going to put on weight. You were going to get strong and you were going to get tough. And Hughes was going to get you technically sound and you were going to turn into a good lineman. And he pumped out guys for almost two decades at Wisconsin. Um, And so I think he had a huge impact in my own development, not only just on the field from like a technique standpoint, but I think just the toughness and like a maturity standpoint, as brutal as, as he was on the field in meetings, like verbally, uh, he definitely toughened you up. He hardened you and he turned you helped turn you into a man. And I think, um, those were a lot of characteristics and traits that I learned from him that I carried throughout my career in the NFL that really, there's no doubt they helped me because I was willing to do the dirty stuff that nobody else was willing to do repeatedly on the practice field. Not like dirty twisting ankles, but like staying out there for three hours and having an attention to detail and the stuff that sucks. I was willing to do that. And Jim Huber had a great quote. He always would talk about like, Hey, you guys like football He's like, how, how do you think we like football being offensive linemen? The only part about football that's fun is winning. He's like, it sucks being an offensive lineman. So just suck it up and deal with it. So <laughs> yeah. That was really the mentality. It was like, hey, look, every day is going to suck. But if we win, it's going to be worth it. So that's kind of the mentality. Uh, and he was right. Because every time we won, it was a it was a holiday, and every time you lost, right. it was like the worst day of the year. Uh, that that grimy chicken on Sunday was yeah, not man. as good as uh, steak and um, they do a, lobster. A, yeah, they do a good job reinforcing that winning is important. Because if you win, <laughs> steak and lobster on Sundays. If you lose, it's like the chicken that they had left over at Jin's Chicken from the night before that they couldn't <laughs> sell because it had flies on it. <laughs> It wasn't cooked. It had flies. No, on it wasn't it. cooked. Yeah, they didn't even get around to cooking it. It was so spoiled. They didn't even waste their time on it. They just sent it right back to the McLean Center training table. So, Joe, okay, when you, I mean, you show up on campus, you're almost. I mean, you are one of the biggest recruits. You, you're one of the best. Listen, dude, you are the best lineman to ever play at Wisconsin. You can, you can say no. That's okay. I know you're humble. <laughs> When did that when did that start? Like when did you feel like I can dominate everyone here? I feel like I'm confident. I know what I'm doing. Because coach because coach White would be in the we'd be in the in the offensive uh running backs room 
And he would be like, when you go to the right, you got to read it. When you go to the left, he's like, Joe Thomas can make his block. So you know what to do. Like, he's just going to do it. Yeah. So like, how does that feel? Like, that's so yeah. cool. Um, but yeah. like, when does that happen? So I always didn't have a ton of confidence and I've always had this like heavy imposter syndrome weight on me, but I think it's actually driven me to be better because as an offensive lineman, we're not always judged by the good things we do. Like pancake blocks are great. You get highlighted on the highlight film that goes, you know, throughout camp Randall and on the telecast. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to be a Outland trophy finalist, like that's what they show at the Outland trophy finals. But it's really not what makes you a good lineman, right? Your consistency is what makes you a good lineman. And so I think obsession with perfection and always feeling like you had to be perfect to be okay was definitely something that was always in my mind. Um, and early on, I remember freshman year, there was another pretty good freshman defensive lineman named Jamal Cooper, who was a pretty good recruit. Um, actually was a pretty good pass rusher for a little while with the Badgers. And I remember going against him in one-on-ones and not really feeling confident going in. I mean, I, I played tight end mostly in high school. I had some coaching, but I really wasn't a lineman. They, they like took me at Wisconsin from a tight end and tried to turn me into a lineman. So I didn't really know what I was doing at that point. And I remember lining up against Coop and he was super fast and he had some nice moves and I took my set, didn't really know what I was going to do. And I just kind of grabbed them and I locked them down. And JP was like, you know, ho- you know, the John Palermo, the defensive line coach started hollering at Jamal Cooper, you know, more swears even than Hube somehow came out of his mouth. Um, but we lined back up again and I locked him up again. And, and JP, I remember him turning over to Hughes and be like, oh, freshman might, might got something. So he's like, all right, we'll see what he does with Darius Jones. You know, Darius was like the big stud defensive end. He was going to like show me a lesson. So then Darius Jones goes in there and I go against him. And he of course is going to bull rush me. Right. Like, what do you do to a, a little freshman offensive line? You try to run him over and embarrass him. Right. So I kind of knew that. So I kind of hunkered down and was able to kind of absorb the big hit and stoned him a little bit. He ended up kind of getting off late at the end, but I turned around and I remember seeing both Hughes and, and JP, like looking at each other, like, Oh, he's got something, you know, we, we might be able to do something with this dude. And I think it was from that point that I realized that I did belong because up until that moment, I had that sense of like, I'm this 255 pound offensive lineman, offensive tackle, trying to play with guys that look like, you know, Al Johnson and Jason Jowers, like six, seven, 330 pounds. And so I just, I didn't feel like I belonged right from the beginning, but I think winning those reps in one-on-one early in camp, my freshman year gave me the confidence to know that like, I do belong. And if I continue to pay attention, if I continue to gain weight, and if I continue to drink those disgusting 1000 calorie, 10 ounce milkshakes in the training room and in the weight room with John Detman, like I'm going to be able to gain some weight. And I think I may have a future here as an offensive lineman. Dude, I just remember you in the weight room. We, I mean, lifting serious weight off the ground, doing power clean. Cause we'd work out together. Cause we were yeah. the strongest people. Oof. Obviously. Obviously, Joe, <laughs> it was beautiful to see, but, yeah, but how hard was it to, for you to keep weight on? Yeah, it was a challenge. And, uh, when I look back on my pictures from my college days, the weight that I gained was quick weight, but it wasn't always the best weight because I was pretty <laughs> sloppy in college and we didn't really have a good idea of nutrition. And this was before team's ability to really feed players the right way. Like back then they would give us some money to like go buy our own food or make our own food. And we got to 
I think during the season, they, they fed us every night, but it's not like we had food available all throughout the day. And even the food they gave us was, you know, it was like comfort food, which was great for me. Cause I had to eat a lot of it. It was like <laughs> spaghetti, lasagna, you know, hamburgers, brats, like stuff like that, which it was good to gain weight, but not exactly good to gain like good weight and muscle <laughs> and not good for recovery. So they're so much more lucky these days with how they are able to eat in their training table, but also what they're eating. Um, so it was funny looking at pictures like towards the end of my NFL career, when I've been training the right way for a long time, I've been starting to eat the right way starting to, which is kind of funny at the end of my career, it took me a while to figure it out, but, um, versus like what I looked like when I was in college, uh, because I went from 255 pounds when I was a freshman, when I got there to 285 by the end of the season. And then I was 300 before the beginning of my sophomore season. So I gained almost 50 pounds in like one calendar year. So you can imagine not a lot of muscle there, but enough to get the job done at least. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, So I know we have a couple more minutes, but I do Joe. So what everyone knows the story of you, I mean, obviously stellar career at Wisconsin, stellar career in the NFL, but Everyone knows a story about you just fishing during um, the draft. Was that was that something you're like, I just don't really, that part of football isn't me, and I just want to focus on the game, and I'll, I'll kind of separate from being in New York or wherever the draft was, and so walk us through like that kind of process and your thought, your thoughts. Yeah. Deciding to skip the draft was a combination of a lot of factors. I think a big one was just as an offensive lineman, no matter where you go, not, this isn't even unique to Wisconsin. Like you're definitely in, it's ingrained in your brain. Like I don't want the attention because usually the attention at this position means you've done something really bad, like <laughs> holding penalty offsides, false start, like unnecessary roughness. They never call your name out over the loudspeaker or on TV for a good block. It's only if you do something wrong. And so I think, that mentality and that sort of um, mushroom society uh, thought process that offensive linemen have just causes us to be a little bit uncomfortable in the spotlight. And it, I was never really about like the attention or the the marketing side off the field. Like I was just happy to be part of a fun team with good dudes that hopefully won a lot of games. Like that was my focus. And I also realized like, look, I'm a, I'm a lineman from Wisconsin. I'm not going to be a big marketing guy. You know, it doesn't really matter if I go to New York and if anything, I'd rather spend this last day before I become a professional and life gets really crazy doing something that I love with people that I love rather than a bunch of, you know, random dudes in New York city. I got a hug that I don't know that I don't have a suit and I hate suits and I hate dressing up and I'd rather be fishing actually, because that's what I usually do on a Saturday. And so um, I remember telling my agent that, and he was all cool. He was like, oh, perfect. No problem. Just as long as you have a cell phone, we'll call you. It's no big deal. But the NFL, they selected me because back then they only took five guys to the draft. They like sort of selected me as one of the guys that was probably going to be a top five pick to be in New York. And up until that point, nobody had turned him down. So they just assumed like it was everybody's dream that they always wanted to be in front of uh, the stage with Roger Goodell wearing a suit, putting on the hat of the new team. Like that was somehow everybody's dream. And they had a guy from the NFL um, who's now in the hall of fame, Gil Brandt. He was in charge of like calling everybody and telling them they had to call me. And I told him that I wasn't interested. And he was like, he didn't understand. It was like, I was speaking Chinese to him. He was like, <laughs> what? Like, no, everyone goes to New York. Like, that's just what you do. That's everybody's dream since they were a kid. And I told him like, look, like I told you guys, like when I was in high school, I just played football because I liked football, not because I thought it was going to take me to college. And when I was in college, 
I played football because it was a way to pay for my school and I liked it. And Oh, by the way, I got to hang out with guys like Matt Bernstein and they got me into parties uh, underage. And so like, these were, these were great reasons to play football. Like, and then by the time I became a junior, they told me, Hey, you could probably play in the NFL. And I was like, Oh, that'd be cool if it happens. But this has never been like my lifelong dream. I always, as a little kid was like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool to play in the NFL? And my mom and dad were like, that'll never happen. Like, <laughs> it happens like one in a billion and you're not good enough. And I was like, okay, fine. And so the whole idea of this being a dream, like not being a dream for me was totally lost on uh Gil. And the first time he called, he was, he just like hung up and, and, um, so disbelief. And then he called back and he kind of got mad. He's like, no, you have to come. And I was like, no, 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 I don't. Like, you don't own me. Like, first of all, I'm not even an employee of the NFL yet. I have no contract. You can't just force me to show up. Like you're not paying me. So it's not even a job. You're just trying to offer this, this opportunity as like, this is the greatest thing ever, but you guys are just making the money on my name for me showing up to this thing when I'd rather be fishing with my dad. And so I ended up like calling my agent. I was kind of upset. I'm like, I don't want to go to the draft. He's like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Who's calling you? So of course, you know, big bad agent, he's got to sh show Mr. Tough guy for his, uh, his client. And so he ended up getting them to stop harassing me about it. But <laughs> it was crazy because there was some people from the NFL that tried to spin it. Like I was some diva that didn't want to go to the draft and would rather be like fishing with my dad than being on TV. And somehow that made me a diva and they were trying to peer pressure me and like spin it in that regard, which I don't think it worked because Cleveland didn't seem to care. And it's ironic now how more people outside of Cleveland know me for being the guy that was the first that skipped the draft to go fishing with his dad than anything else I've done throughout my career. So <laughs> I feel pretty, I feel pretty good about making that decision about not going to, to the draft. Cause I think it worked out okay in my favor. Oh man. Well, I know we don't have you for much longer, so I'm going to give you a couple of rapid, rapid fire questions here to finish up. Uh, first, just quickly, uh, Bob Bostad is back as the offensive line coach at Wisconsin. How do you feel about that? And how do you feel like the unit's going to be this year? I'm pumped. I think he's, probably the best offensive line coach in college football. He's a lot like Jim Huber. Like he's tough on those guys. He expects discipline, toughness, hard work. Um, he put together the best group of offensive linemen that the Badgers ever had. I forget what year it was, but they had six guys drafted. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had backup players being drafted into the NFL on that offensive and line. Starting, so uh, that good. was, uh, that wasn't Ryan Groy. No, who was it? That was Bill Nagy. Bill Nagy was yeah, the, but, yeah, he was drafted in like tackler. sixth or seventh round. Yeah. yeah by the, the Cowboys. And I think he ended up even playing for the Cowboys for a little bit. So, yeah. um, Bostad's ability to develop is second to none in college football. So I think he's going to do a fantastic job. I'm really excited to watch Jack Nelson. He's their uh, newish left tackle. He's a big dude from the Madison area. Um, got a chance to meet him a little bit this summer. So I'm really excited to see how those guys end up turning out, but I have no doubt that Bostad's going to whip them into shape. Who was the, who, who, go ahead, go ahead. Bryce. I was saying Jay Wando. I just saw him show me the picture of you in front of the dress with, yeah, uh, with Nelson. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that, man, man, how that, much money would you have made NIL oh, man. wise? Hundreds. Let me tell you, I wouldn't have paid for a $2 burger at Wando's on Monday Ever night. Again. my entire <laughs> career in Wisconsin. Speaking of Wando's, what's your favorite memory of Bernie? 
Uh, oh my gosh. My favorite memory of Bernie is probably everybody's favorite memory against Penn state where he comes in, you know, he's been fasting for a month because it's Rosh Hashanah or whatever. And he just <laughs> is leaping over defenders. Like he's a little gazelle. And, and you know, maybe there is something to that whole idea that if you don't eat, you have more energy because I've never seen Bernie run so fast as his entire life. Matt Perkins, do you know which side of the, the line we ran to all day long? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys went left side Behind the entire this guy day. Right here. Hey, you know what? This guy. If it if it don't uh you know if it doesn't break, why try to fix it? So just keep doing um, counter to Joe Thomas. It's easy, Joe, baby. Joe, who do you believe are the five best running backs in Wisconsin history? Oh man. Um okay, Rondane, obviously. Yep. I think. Uh, Brian Calhoun should probably be in there. Anthony Davis. Uh, oh shit. Now we're running out of space here. <laughs> uh, Melvin Gordon and, um, Jonathan Taylor, but so that's a solid group, but you know, without looking at the full list, I feel like maybe Brian Calhoun wasn't there long enough to deserve. He to had be one there, season, so. but my God, was that one was season a, special? It was a special season. So maybe like Michael Bennett has some argument to be there. Mm -hmm. I'll stick with my boy. Calhoun, because yeah. he he was my boy, and he actually he coaches back in the Milwaukee area now too. So I, I love the guy. So I'm we, gonna leave. We him love there. we love Brian Calhoun. He was on love the show him. a couple months ago. Uh, great dude. We we you know we're, we're personally uh, we're we're personally uh, big play John Clay guys here. So yeah, John we, Clay was great too, man. But and um, he, is it easier pr to protect a quarterback who's a statue or one who scrambles too often? Um, I would say the scramble guy for sure, because even though like he's probably going to get hit more and there's going to be plenty of times where he's outside the pocket and your guy's probably hitting him, and you didn't realize it. Like that's not your fault. So as an offensive lineman, you realize very quickly, there's a line in the sand and there's a binary thought process with being alignment. That was either my fault or it wasn't. And you have to just keep your mind in that little small box. And when you have a quarterback that runs, it really makes the defensive lines cautious with their pass rush. So they're not going to be as creative leaving their lanes of rush to try to get to the quarterback. So it makes your job a lot easier versus when you have a statue back there, like those dudes are pinning their ears back and they're getting off the snap and they know it doesn't matter if they leave their gap because that guy's still going to be standing exactly in that spot. So all they have to do is get to that spot eventually and they're going to win. All right. And last one, toughest guy, toughest teammate to block at Wisconsin, toughest guy to block in the NFL. So toughest guy at Wisconsin um, was probably Rasmus James. I was a freshman when he was a senior. He ended up being a first-round pick that year of the Minnesota Vikings. And I think he was maybe even the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten that year. He had a great, great season, great, great player. Um, but in the NFL, it was probably Dwight Freeney. He, he was the guy that made me lose the most sleep at night because – I would just be thinking about that spin move and I would be seeing it over and over again. Just like when Bernie closes his eyes and he sees sheep jumping over his bed <laughs> at night, like I would see Freeney doing spin moves over my bed at night. And it caused me a lot of uh, lost sleep going into those games against the Colts. So I, I think um, definitely Dwight Freeney. He's actually up for the Hall of Fame this year too. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I hope he's I hope he's a first ballot guy. Should be. Joe, jo thank you so much. For coming on i'm sorry i was late these LaGuardia, you know the flights are crazy yeah. uh, i just want to say right now. the football joe thomas signed football and barry Alvarez hall of fame football Ooh. is gracing my daughter's um, room right now right over her her bed it's amazing it's amazing right over <laughs> you can see it's right here it's, it is here Beautiful. there it is i, love I it. have you barry ron dane and bo ryan that's all that's I got. amazing baby
and, uh, uh, a true and, honor, my friend. It, and it was a true honor playing with you. It really was. And being your friend, which yeah, I have stories that we are not going to tell. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the believe in Madison after dark version. Yeah, that'll be, that'll <laughs> that'll be after for the dark. Patreon feed. So, all right, guys. Well, listen, Joe, we cannot thank you enough uh, for stopping by. Reminder, uh, check out betonline.ag, our presenting sponsor. And until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin, guys. Thank you so much for having me and Bernie. Joe, thank you. Thanks for being a great teammate, buddy. An even better friend, man. I um, appreciate it. I'll I can't wait to, to break up. some bread with you, buddy. I can't wait. I'll try back in Madison someday. I, I, I'll try to uh, get up at five o'clock to come to one of those lift groups. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to get you in our lift group, buddy. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, that was awesome to hang out with Joe. Uh, you know, he's someone I've looked up to and admired for a very long time. And I, it's just, it's great to get his input. Uh, hope we can get him back on again soon this weekend though, burn Badgers opening weekend playing Illinois state FCS team. What do you need to see or what do you want to see out of the team in this first game? That's a good question. I want to see a, 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 a dominant win. I think that's important. You know, we, we have a hard away schedule, we have a, I would say it's a tough Big Ten schedule. I know we're in the, the side that's not so serious, or it's serious, but not so big named. But all the away games are going to be fist fights. So I want to see a team. First of all, I want to get our twos in. You know, that I think that's super important. I want to see a win, right? We yep. always say number one is a win. I want to see the O line click. I want to see the running game work. I want to see a lot of wide receivers get targeted. I need to see Graham Mertz, and I think we all do, be productive. I don't need that dude to win us many games, to be honest. Let Braylon Allen do that. Let I want to see. Call. I want to see him look comfortable. I want to see that completely retooled offensive line. There's one starter in the same position coming back from last year, and wh- while we all think that it's it's going to be a good unit, better than last year, I certainly agree with that. Beach is such a better guard than he is a tackle. Nelson's a much more natural tackle than he is guard. There was a big surprise though. The initial death. Death chart came out uh, on Monday, and Riley Malman, the retired freshman, jumped uh, the junior, um, uh, uh, jumped the junior from Michigan Brown, uh, who was supposed to be the starter at right tackle, and so that was a, a bit of a surprise. And he was the lesser known of the uh, of the three big tackles they took in the twenty twenty uh, sorry yeah, the twenty twenty one class. Nolan Rucci being the big name of those. So I'm really interested to see what the offensive line looks like, and then what the defensive backs look like entirely new defensive backfield uh four new starters five new starters if you consider a nickel back because they're they, they're gonna be playing nickel a ton anyway uh you, you know just a ton of new guys and new faces out there we know the pass rush is going to be good herbie's going to hold it down the defensive line's going to be good i've got faith in uh in zay mullins and keanu benton i i'm really curious though and to see how much illinois state tries to test that i don't know a ton about illinois state's offensive attack they are a um uh, Missouri Valley Conference team, those teams tend to be try to run first physically oriented, which is going to be kind of tough running up against 340 pounds of Keanu Benton. But I, I'm looking to see, does can the secondary prevent the big play better than they did last year? And can the offensive line look like they're in sync? And can our receivers get open for easy completions? Is Has Bobby Ingram, I don't think they're going to, you know, they're going to go very vanilla in the first game of the season, right? Bern, you're, you guys were never opening the playbook for your first game of the season against Temple or whatever. Yeah, not really. So 
maybe you should have against UNLV, but um... we probably tried to. We just couldn't get anything going that day. <laughs> you know, listen, we're saying all the normal things that you're yeah. looking for in every year you start mm-hmm. a, a game. And I think there's no difference. You know, we could sit here and say we want to see X, Y, Z. I, I'm with you on all the defensive stuff. We can't give up the big plays. Yeah, we got to get off the field. We we weren't we were actually pretty successful getting off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, for our offense, I'd like to see us stay on the field. Mm-hmm. We did it we, last year. We're very good at three and outs. I think it kills our defense. Yeah, you know, we, and you're asking a defense last year who was almost number one, basically was number one to do all the dirty work. You can't do that as a team like us. We we got to dominate in the trenches. I think we're poised to see that happen. Yeah. I think if Illinois state says we are running team and wants to test that out against who I think you convinced me, or maybe Zach Halperin convinced me that this is even better front than it was last year. Yeah. Outside of the middle linebackers. It's it's a better Jordan Turner is better in coverage than either Sanborn or Chanel. Now, Now they have no one who can replace the, the nasty of Chanel and the leadership of Sanborn, who, had, who has seen so many snaps in his career, right? right? I mean, he I, I think he'd seen more snaps than anyone else on the team. Last, you I know, think if we're, what we should really be more focusing on, like, the individuals or the positions. Mm-hmm. Because I think we're saying all the normal things that, like, anyone say, like, oh, yeah, we, we got to move the ball. I need the wide receivers and um, Graham Mertz to show me that they have made a huge progress. Um, and I think I think this year it's all on Graham. I think everyone knows that. I think it's like he's drinking Pepsi. He's on all these things. If I, you know, that could be, listen, man, being sponsored by Pepsi could potentially be the best thing he does. I actually have faith. I I think he can be our guy. You know, I would just give him advice. Like, dude, don't try to go out there and do everything. You have a good team around you. Let them do some things, you know, focus on your game. Just make the plays you need to make. And don't, don't try to go out of your box. Um, you know, like I'm not the one who's going to block alignment, really. Like that's out of my box. Let Joe Thomas do that. He's awesome at that. Um, so I'm excited about. I'm excited to see what Graham Mertz and the, and the wide receivers put together. I'm excited to see what Jordan Taylor, Jordan Turner, right? Jordan Turner looks like. You know, I think he he when I met him, he was so excited to be playing. Is it impossible to just have another Leo Chanel and Sanborn for sure? But could the D line be better? And Herbie be better than himself from last year for sure. That guy's going to win whatever the outside linebacker trophy is. I mean, he could be the best outside linebacker to play here, ever. Yeah, he could be. He he, he absolutely mean, could be. I, I you know personally, I still think I I take the full body of work from DeAndre Levy. I I I, I think for me. Because, I mean, he also plays a very different outside linebacker, right? What very. DeAndre Levy was asked to do as an outside linebacker in Brett Bielema's 4-3 is extraordinarily different than what Nick Herbig is asked to do in yes. as an outside linebacker in Jimmy Leonard's 3-4. They're com- almost completely different positions. Like, they they cover, like, maybe 20% like is, of overlap. So, yes, they're both outside linebackers nominally, but they play such a different position. So, I, I'm excited about the linebackers in general, though, especially all the youth they have at outside linebacker, not just Herbig. CJ Getz, uh, I think he's the senior this year. He's going to be starting. But Daryl Peterson, uh, Caden Johnson from Minnesota, third-year players come on really strong. Uh, he's in the two deep. And TJ Bowlers, the redshirt freshman from Iowa, who had who got like – he looks like an Adonis after this – after, you know, his first season in the program. He's scary. He's a kid I think could really possibly break out. But 
Daryl Peterson is the name that a, a lot of people have been talking about as the next potential great pass rusher after Herbig. And, you know, I think he set the state of Ohio single season record for sacks. And he also might have the career record for high school sacks in the state of Ohio. He just gets to the quarterback is what it does. And I am, I'm hopeful that he's going to get some chances to, you know, really get after the quarterback. I'm just, I'm excited for football, man. I'm just excited for football. I'm excited for Badger football. You know, I was just on campus. It is absolutely bananas there. Um, And I love the energy and the excitement that football brings to the state and to Madison. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to see, you know, it's something to be said that if you can get more guys, the rule is great that you can play four games and still redshirt. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Um, and these are the games, you know, the Illinois States are the games that come out, you know, whoop their butts early. Mm-hmm. Let the young guys get in. Let them see some reps. It's only going to make the whole team better. You never know when you're going to need a guy on special teams or a guy in a clutch, you know, three guys get hurt, four guys get hurt. And you need a no- new tailback. You just don't know when that happens. Um I mean, listen, as a as a running back, I'm excited to see that that room produce. I think those guys are going to be awesome. I'm excited because I think we need to figure out a way to not have Braylon carry the ball 30 times. And I think we have the other guys in the room who are phenomenal at the position. So I'm excited to see each one of them do what they do. And it's all a little bit different than the other person. And I'm just excited to watch that group. Play football. Listen, yeah, these guys absolutely. feel like my younger brothers. I'm, that excited, I've never met. I'm excited to see Jackson Acker play fullback. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited. Super athletic. I mean, he's going to be the most athletic fullback they've had since uh, at least Alec Ingold. And that is something to be said, right? Yeah. Ingold was uh, was a stud. Phenomenal, phenomenal fullback. Um, you know, I, I just think this team has something special coming out of some of these kind of weird years. I kind of feel like this, these butterflies, like we could be super good this year. That's I feel the, like that every year, but this year, for some odd reason, I feel like we have, you know, Jimmy Leonard and the defense is set. I, 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 for me, it's all about Bostad in the offensive line room. I was so disappointed in the play of that unit last year. And Bo, Bostad is not afraid to come in and, you know, you know, you know, crash skulls or whatever, 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 yeah. whatever the metaphor it is I'm looking for, um, you know, you know, bust some skulls up and, you know, get, get people going because there's a lot of shakeup on the line, but I think it's, it's good. Like, I think it, it's good. I think it's good. And he, and you know, that energy in that room is high and those guys, mm-hmm. are, those guys are out there probably grinding hard. And if you look at like Joe and what he said about Huber, like those dudes work 10 times harder because for a number of reasons, but they also didn't want to get yelled at. And, and I'll tell you what, back in the day, not getting yelled at was a definite drive to produce well and do well. Because um, I remember when Huber would say, hey, Matt, good job. Once in a while, it was like the best thing to ever hear in your life. Or when, you know, Coach Alvarez is like, hey, Burn, that was a good block. Mm-hmm. Whenever he did that, you're like, man, life is good. So I'm hoping that, you know, Bostad has a couple of those uh, come what is it? Saturday night. Ooh, yeah. seven Eastern, six Central. Perfect. Madison's gonna be like it's euphoria. It's gonna be euphoria. It's gonna be perfect. A oh my pleasant god! It's late summer be... evening. Maybe spend the day at the Union Terrace. Oh my oh. god! What what would we do if I started at nine o'clock at Wando's and had to try to make it to seven or six p.m. 
Matt. That's Matt, nine hours. Matt, they're called naps and they're wonderful. You have you have mm. a child who takes them. They're beautiful. That's true, but I mean, I if I was in Madison, I wouldn't take a nap. I at this age, I might need to. I know. At this age. At, at this age, I might take one. I might take like the two to five nap. Yeah, like in the bathroom at Wando's, like you know, curled up in a ball <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Guys, wake me up when you go. At least in. I know I'm. I'm at least going to like like where they, where they store the extra liquor. Like I'm at least going in the back room to in do the, that in the nice cooler exactly. to get really cold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be. I think everyone who's listening, we're gonna see some very, very fun, exciting, and interesting things. But all that matters is if we win. By if it's by one or by one hundred, it doesn't matter. Gotta win. Yeah, we do. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Enjoy the game. We're back with you uh, now that we're in season two times a week. Monday morning fullback coming at you next Monday. We've got AJ Taylor on the pod with us next week as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, like we said, until next time on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B L E A V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.